It's Friday, March the 27th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, American unemployment soars and so do infections in Europe. First, the world in brief. America's Senate voted unanimously to approve a stimulus package worth $2 trillion to support the economy through the pandemic. Measures include direct payments of up to $1,200 for Americans earning less than $75,000 and government-backed loans for struggling businesses. The House of Representatives will vote on it today. Meanwhile, the G20 countries promised to inject $5 trillion into the world economy. The World Health Organization said it is seeing encouraging signs in Europe as the number of COVID-19 deaths fell in several countries. In Spain, 655 people died with COVID-19, down from 738 the day before. Fatalities due to the disease have fallen for four consecutive days in Italy, but other measures suggest the coronavirus is still spreading rapidly. The number of infections continued to rise across the continent. Initial claims for unemployment benefits in America rose to 3.28 million last week from a revised 282,000 the previous week as companies laid off masses of workers in response to the lockdowns intended to halt the spread of COVID-19. The figure blew the previous all-time record, 695,000 set in one week in 1982, out of the water. Rishi Sunak, Britain's Chancellor of the Exchequer, announced measures to help self-employed workers cope with the economic consequences of COVID-19, including a grant of up to £2,500, $3,000 a month. The Bank of England tried to allay concerns over the debt that such measures would incur by affirming its commitment to buying bonds. Britain's budget deficit could more than triple to over £175 billion this year, according to the Institute for Fiscal Studies, a think tank. China's Civil Aviation Administration ordered airlines to limit the number of flights into the country to prevent a second wave of COVID-19 infections. Foreign carriers can only operate one flight into China per week. Chinese airlines are restricted to one flight weekly to and from each foreign country. India announced $22.6 billion of extra spending to help its poorest citizens during the COVID-19 outbreak. The money will be spent on cash transfers as well as food staples such as rice and wheat. Worries about food supplies prompted panic buying when Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister, announced a 21-day lockdown this week. In an unexpected move, an Australian man accused of killing 51 people in New Zealand's worst mass shooting changed his plea to guilty. Brenton Tarrant has been in police custody since last March after he carried out two mass shootings in mosques in Christchurch during Friday prayer services. And correction. Yesterday's edition of Espresso described Vietnam's response to the COVID-19 outbreak as complacent. This is not the case. The government has implemented a lockdown and closed schools. Sorry. And now, here's today's agenda. Breathing more easily, the race to make ventilators. Scientists, engineers and companies around the world are rallying to meet hospitals' urgent need for more ventilators. Existing manufacturers are working flat out. Hamilton Medical, a Swiss firm, hopes to double production to 400 machines a week after moving office workers onto the production line. In Italy, army technicians are helping CRA Engineering boost production. In America, Ventec Life Systems is collaborating with General Motors. In Britain, several firms are working on projects, including Dyson, a maker of household electronics, which has a government order for 10,000 units of a new ventilator it has developed. 
Academics are also beavering away, and others are coming up with DIY versions. But there are risks. Ventilators need to be safe and reliable. In novice hands, they could be deadlier than the virus. Hence, the Spanish engineers behind an open-source ventilator that uses a modified windscreen wiper motor insist that it is strictly a device of last resort. A green dividend? Emissions after COVID-19. Britain's greenhouse gas emissions continued to fall in 2019, according to provisional figures released today, largely thanks to the country's continued shift away from coal for generating electricity. The decline in the power sector's emissions is mirrored across many advanced economies, leading to a fall in global emissions for two years running. Now, cancelled flights and COVID-19 lockdowns, leaving countries full of non-commuting home workers and closed factories, will almost certainly cause global emissions to drop in 2020. The dip could offer an opportunity to speed up a shift towards a greener economy, but only if governments seeking to stimulate growth decide to spend their cash on boosting climate-friendly sectors such as renewable power, green transport and technologies that suck CO2 out of the atmosphere. They failed to do this after the financial crash of 2007 to 2009, which only extended the climate crisis. One can only hope for more foresight this time around. Bolsonaro, Brazilians ignore the president to fight COVID-19. Brazilians across the country will bang pots and pans for the 11th straight night to protest against Jair Bolsonaro's mishandling of the coronavirus crisis. The protest started after the president dismissed concern as hysteria. Yet 23 people who travelled with him to President Donald Trump's resort in Florida this month have tested positive for COVID-19, and Brazil has reported 2,915 cases and 77 deaths, though a shortage of tests means the true number is much higher. The health minister, Luiz Enrique Mandetta, fears a collapse of the public health system. Acute care beds were nearly full even before the outbreak. Governors have implemented lockdowns to try to slow COVID-19 spread, ignoring Mr. Bolsonaro's pleas to reopen schools and shops. Containment will be hardest in favelas, where millions lack running water and formal jobs. Some drug traffickers imposed curfews. If the government can't make it happen, organised crime will, one gang warned on WhatsApp. Beating the bug, Italians yearn for better news. Today, Italians will be watching anxiously for confirmation that the COVID-19 epidemic in Italy is approaching a turning point. The evidence is frustratingly inconclusive. The daily count in new cases hit a peak of 6,557 last Saturday, but yesterday's figure of 6,153 was worryingly close. Epidemiologists warn it is anyway a questionable metric. A rise in positives may just reflect an increase in testing, and testing has increased recently. An arguably more reliable figure, the number of infected in hospitals keeps rising, however, and sharply so yesterday, putting growing pressure on the country's regional health services. Much of the bad news came from the worst-hit region, Lombardy. Attilio Fontana, Lombardy's governor, admitted to being concerned. To try to curb the spread of the virus, the government in Rome agreed on March 24th to impose even stiffer penalties for breaches of the lockdown, ranging from €400 Euros, $440, to €3,000. A Balkan psychodrama, COVID-19 and the Battle of Kosovo 
As COVID-19 spreads across the Balkans, its governments have reacted, like those elsewhere, by closing down all semblance of ordinary life. Kosovars are horrified, though, for their politicians have used arguments about the virus as a proxy for a power struggle which brought down the government on Wednesday. The virus rules out a snap election, so now weeks of political wrangling begin. The president, Hashim Thachi, backed by Donald Trump's administration, has been at loggerheads with Albin Kurti, the now caretaker prime minister. Mr Thachi wants to strike a deal with Serbia, and the US has already put sanctions on Kosovo because the latter has refused to comply with demands from Washington. Backed by the big European powers, Mr Kurti rejects a deal that he says involves land swaps. He had wanted to use his time in office to send as many as possible of the corrupt old guard to prison but his government lasted just 51 days. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Yuri Gagarin, who died on this day in 1968. The main force in man is the power of the spirit. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.